Hello and welcome back to Amnesiac Hollywood Chop Shop Rap. We are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana. Uh, with this wrap-up, we called it the Mind Trilogy. Uh, all three movies had a lot to do with kind of like memory and the mind. We did 2021's Reminiscence. We did 2004's Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind in 1990's Total Recall, starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, what, you just overall, what did, how did you feel about this trilogy? Well, to, to talk about how I feel about the trilogy, I think I have to just focus on Total Recall for a moment and just our review of it. Mm-hmm. I, I listened back after you posted and I was like, man, why you were really trying to defend this movie. And I think part of it is because going in, I thought, you know, the memory trilogy, I thought we were going to have a lot of like, you know, what's real, what's not kind of debates and nuance. And we talked about it in the reminiscence review. It, it provided none of that intrigue for us mm-hmm. and eternal sunshine is great to me but i guess it does play out a little bit like a mystery at the beginning but since i'd already seen it i kind of knew the gist of it so there wasn't that much to unpack plot wise so i think i i put all of that onto total recall because it was a convoluted mess i think i tried to make it more than it actually <laughs> is because like you said none of the puzzle pieces fit together as beautiful and complex as they tried to make it the the puzzle doesn't work so i I think part of it too is i judge total recall after watching something like inception where i think they do very well the concept of like leaving it on a cliffhanger where it's up to the audience to kind of decide which way it is or not because um the more i thought about total recall and you, you challenged me as to did i think it was a you know was it real or was it not real and my initial thought, my, my knee-jerk reaction was essentially like, I, I thought it was all real, that it wasn't the, you know, his vacation and all that. And then when I had a, a second to kind of think about it over the weekend before we did the rap show here, I came up with even more of a definitive reason as to why I believe it was real and it was not a, a dream sequence or the vacation mind implant. And my, my reasoning for this is because there's several moments throughout the movie that you are given a perspective that Quaid is not involved with at all. That it is solely for, there's the scene um, between the two main antagonists, what is, uh, Reich, Richter? Did I say it Richter. right this time? Richter. And I don't even remember the main bad guys. Cohagen. Cohagen. Cohagen and Richter. There's definitely a scene between them where they're doing exposition and kind of explaining things. And I think there's one or two other scenes that occur without Quaid being in it at all that basically give definition and define what's going on in the movie. And my reason behind that is if it had been, if they had really been trying to push the idea, is this real or is this not, everything should have been seen or experienced through the perspective of Quaid. Because then you as the audience at the end are in the same position where you're like, you know, I don't know if this was real or not, just like Quay doesn't know if this is real or not. To me, it's still all real, but it still has that that twist where as Quay being not privy to all of the information that we are, he would as a character question, wait, this could be a dream. But as the audience, I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable that I know it wasn't a dream, you know? So if the conversation between Richter and Cohagen, if somehow Quaid was sneaking around and just overheard that conversation, 
that would, in your mind, lend it more to being a dream. Yeah, it could definitely, it puts it back in that, that ballpark where it's like, it could be either one, like who knows? But the fact that there are different, there are definitely parts of the movie that we as the audience experience without Quaid, to me, pushes it more towards the, we are watching this story unfold and we have, I think it's called situational irony. It's one of the the ironies, but it's basically where we as the audience know something that the main character does not know. And that's where it kind of falls into that ballpark for me is that there's stuff that we know going on in the plot of the movie that Quaid does not know. And therefore it pushes it to me in the direction that no, this all really happened. And just as us, as the audience, we get to kind of experience more of it outside of what's going on with Quaid. Yeah. And I, I think that's a pretty definitive case and hard to argue with. I w- I still will, Um, I think maybe it's possible that Paul Verhoeven and some of the creative team, especially from the original go round from the seventies, want it to be one thing. But again, once Arnold comes in and more hands are in the pot, I think especially a movie made in the late eighties, they're just not going to take that time to make sure that every single scene fits that narrative. Mm -hmm. They do just enough to make it even a plausible question, I think. Well, yeah, and it's one of those things that, you know, we're judging a movie in 1990 based off of a movie that was what? I think Inception was like 2012, maybe? Yeah, I was going to say 2012. So, somewhere, somewhere around that area. So it's one of those where Inception has had another, what, two decades to see what's worked and doesn't work where they can, you know, Christopher Nolan can really fine tune that to make sure it does create that suspense and that, you know, that questioning at the end of the movie. So... It is, you know, I'll, I'll try and give Total Recall a benefit of the doubt that it might have been doing something that nobody had really tried to, to do in cinema at that time or a few people had tried to do. So it's one of those like they hadn't quite fine tuned everything to the point. And not only that, Inception, you can go back and watch as many times as you want. You know, at Total Recall, like maybe VHS and like people weren't going back to the movie theater as much. So it's like basically you watched it once and that's that's the impression it left on you. So you couldn't go back and, oh, I'm just going to YouTube or rewind real quick and rewatch certain scenes to see which way I lean or the other. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I could see where they were trying to do that in the 90s, and it just wasn't as successful because they didn't have any kind of lineage to, to build off of, you know? Well, let me ask you this, and it might be the only way that I can bring reminiscence into this discussion. Um, I, I, I think we would both take Total Recall over reminiscence. We'll obviously get into that into those particulars probably on the back end, but just their plots, you know, Total Recall's convoluted plot of overstuffed, or would you take reminiscence overstuffed plot? Like which one do you take just on the surface? Remove the action elements, just plot. If we're going just plot, you're, you're probably going to hate me for that. I would probably take reminiscence because I think it was slightly more streamlined. I think it was just a lot of inexperience and like i thought it felt truer to a film noir narrative like they were trying to go with and then you know the intrigue of like oh it was you know the oh, what the hell the barons and all that having a, an illegitimate child i'm like that felt very film noir to me like it all reminiscent had all of the right pieces they just flubbed it every step of the way like they just they desperately messed up or not dead but you know what i'm saying they just they were terrible like they just they didn't know the both Total Recall and Reminiscence, and I know this wasn't the point where you're saying, both didn't understand lighting or anything in terms of doing a film noir style movie um, or setting or anything like that, where it wound up being not 
you know, it, it didn't add to the plot or anything like that. So, um, but if I were to take just the script and I was going to try and make a movie off of it, I would probably go reminiscence because I think the addition of the aliens and the mutants and the corporations and psychics. And I just think that there is, there's so many elements in total recall. It is just a real struggle to tie all those together in a way that like the audience doesn't just enjoy it, but like there's an understanding going on there, you know? Yeah. And interestingly enough, with both movies, I think both squander great sandboxes and great setups. Totally um, agree. And I think that's the most disappointing part about this trilogy. This this is what I'll say about it is I th- I love sci-fi. It is by far one of my absolute favorite genres. And I think what what happens with Reminiscence and even Total Recall that Eternal Sunshine does fantastically is Sci-fi is very easy to make because you can do anything you want because you can just explain it away by science fiction. On the other side of that, science fiction is also probably one of the most difficult to make because you make your own rules. So when you start breaking your own rules, it becomes very noticeable very quick. And that was, I feel like Reminiscent and Total Recall both did that. And Total Recall, not as much. I think they just kind of kept adding more to it. Like rather than just playing with what they had, they like they just kept throwing more ingredients into the pot to make it more interesting instead of just really finessing what they had. Whereas reminiscence, like it just literally, it would establish a rule and then break it. Oh, the sun is so hot. Nobody can do anything in the day. Yet the main characters were walking barefoot on an asphalt ceiling or an asphalt roof in Miami, uh, in the middle of the day with sunlight hitting. And I'm like, he should literally be roasting to death, right? Like he should be just drenched in sweat by the rules established in this movie. Yeah. And then, even not necessarily rules, but we talked about in the review of Reminiscence, just stuff that contradicts the dialogue. You know, Hugh Jackman's talking about going through hell, and it seems like a scenic boat ride through Venice. So there was just way too much of that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And Total Recall did not do that. Like, And that's what I think Total Recall has. And even to this point, like, you know, I did enjoy the movie. Um, it's not one of my favorite. And I did kind of, like, give it some 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 rough hits in the review. But visually, that movie keeps you going. And the dialogue with the one-liners is cheesy enough that, like, again, they just, they kind of, they just leave breadcrumbs throughout the movie to get you from the beginning to the end to where you don't get lost in it. And I think, I don't know if that was intentional or they realized as they were doing it that they were going to have to do that because the plot was so crazy that they had to leave little things that kept the average viewer able to kind of, you know, navigate this world of, you know, Earth, Mars, mutants, aliens, psychics. Um, you know, air and some, you know, element that no one's ever heard of, trillium or something like that, you know, that, that is used to make weapons on Earth. You know, like, it's just there's so much crazy stuff, not to mention all the kind of like fun world building things where it's like the girl changing her fingernails or, you know, at that point, the TV, mo- you know, the the phones with screens. I always love old sci fi because they could never imagine us having like a smartphone like that was never an idea to them. A screen and a phone was one thing, but it was the size of a like a computer model, you know, monitor. It wasn't something small. Yeah, it's mounted to a wall. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, I still think Total Recall is just visually far more interesting to watch and it's easier to get through. reminiscent was just boring and all over the place yeah and i guess my last question for you is a very specific one that i forgot to bring up in the total recall review when arnold wears the the woman suit Mm -hmm. in, in the two weeks and it 
Was that planned on his part, or was that a malfunction? I would assume it's supposed to be a malfunction. Like, it's like, oh, technology, like, and again, that's just to kind of move the, the plot forward. But what I did think was funny about that costume is when he pulls out, like, the reactor rod, and it is clearly the width of the <laughs> helmet. I'm like, does he just have a rod that went completely through his skull when he's doing this thing? Um, again, that's just me nitpicking, like, set design. Well, and the stuff. head is an explosive, right? Well, And that's the real crazy part. I'm like, you have an explosive on your head, like, imagine if that had been the part that malfunctioned <laughs> um but even that that's such a cool scene and like not only that that's been reused and like and that's again why i talk about to recall as a movie you should absolutely watch because there's so many cultural hell red pill that is definitely the matrix definitely got red pill blue pill from this movie like i have absolutely no doubt in my mind the, yeah, the scene where they're trying to convince him that he's still in the simulation and mm -hmm. presumably it's just a, a pill to kill him. Yeah, if, if he takes the red pill, it'll take him out of the simulation. And then, you know, again, Matrix says, I'm like, that's clearly a reference. And that's why I'm saying Total Recall. You try and take yourself in a scene be like, OK, I'm not in 2021. I'm in 1990 watching this movie for the first time. It's, it's kind of like and I'm going to defend, I absolutely still love Star Wars and New Hope and stuff like that, but if you were to take yourself out and even just think of it on a special effects level, like how revolutionary that movie was at that time and then try and put you in that seat, like I feel it's the same thing with Total Recall. I'm like, there was so much crazy, awesome puppetry and effects going on in that movie that like you can understand why it left such an impression on people. Yeah, and I think... You mentioned how influential it is, and I didn't really provide any examples, but I thought about it after you said it and I listened to the podcast. But something like Futurama or Rick and Morty, mm -hmm. you absolutely see Total Recall all over those. Yeah. So, and, and that's why I say, it's like it is a movie that if you have not seen and you enjoy pop culture, you enjoy movies, stuff like that, you, you it's one of those you have to watch because you are missing out on so many easter eggs references and inside jokes by not having watched this movie because there's so many iconic scenes and just you know uh dialogue out of it that you like you are you're missing a lot by not seeing this movie yeah i think for a younger generation to watch it there will be a lot of aha moments and you'll realize that yeah total recall did it first mm -hmm. absolutely so enough kind of shitting on those two. I, I do want to try and see if there's anything, you know, we try and compare the three of them. I, I think it's still, it's Eternal Sunshine. One of the things that makes it so successful is how tight the story is. Like they feel like they have a very specific message that they're going for in that movie. Whereas I felt like reminiscent Total Recall, we, we talked about, they definitely had situations where they were trying to hit too many things. Like they wanted to go with the environmental stuff. They wanted to go with, you know, questioning capitalism you know and, and evil you know government corporations and stuff like that like i think when you get to movies where like you're you're putting too much of that stuff in is when you start to lose people and again it winds up becoming this convoluted mess because you're trying to make all of these subplots pay off yeah i mean i i said it with the art class reference you can only mix so many colors before it just turns into a muddy mess. Mm -hmm. And even Eternal Sunshine, all of its subplots still revolved around the main plot, like all of the, the you know the other characters and what was going on with them. It still was about the relationships and memories and stuff like that. Whereas the other two movies, all of those subplots, like they tried to loosely tie it to what you know the the protagonist was going through and as they were solving something. And like that's again why I think it winds up being convoluted and they wind up not being as enjoyable to watch just because there's no way to pay all that stuff off 
Yeah, and ultimately, anytime you add too too many ingredients, what's going to be lost is character. Because outside of Eternal Sunshine, did you care about a single character in either of the other two movies? No, no, I did not. <laughs> like I've, I've practically forgotten Nick Bannister already, and we only reviewed that movie a couple of weeks ago. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I did forget his name already. So I'm glad you said that because I. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I know names aren't your specialty. No, but... they certainly aren't. <laughs> But yeah, when you overstuff these plots, you have to be really careful to try to make at least one character three-dimensional, because if not, all you can appreciate is the spectacle, or all you can appreciate is, hey, Miami looks cool underwater, but they don't have anything else going for them. So I think with us talking— We can talk about Eternal Sunshine and why we love the characters or care about the ones we do, if you want— Oh, I was just going to say, I thought that was a great transition to talk about, you know, our our, our character swap segment. So we've kind of talked about, oh, yeah. you know, okay. overall kind of what we thought about the three movies. You know, I think what they succeeded at the most and what two of them necessarily failed at it, at varying degrees. So I was thinking maybe this would be a fun opportunity to go ahead and talk about character swap. Do you you want to start us off or do you want me to? Uh, I've got one, yeah. Uh, so I'll lead it off. Okay. Um, I'm going to take... And you know what? This one might work a little better for me because I know in the past I've struggled with, you know, I'm taking a character out of a Western and taking him to a modern day. I think Conrad, I took him from, you know, being alive in 1990 to hanging out with Pete Davidson. <laughs> you literally took a bear out of a basketball movie. Um. <laughs> <That's fair. laughs> okay. So I was thinking that Eternal Sunshine in Total Recall very well could kind of be in the same universe. I know Eternal Sunshine keeps it a uh, nature of it being an indie drama. It's not a futuristic setting other than the one conceit of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm thinking of taking Richter from Total Recall. Ooh, okay. And putting him in Eternal Sunshine as the father of Elijah Wood. Or you can put Elijah Wood in Total Recall as the son of Richter. Either way, but they're going to be father-son. Okay, go. I'm very intrigued by this. Well, one of your biggest questions about Total Recall is what's up with Richter and, like, the cuck situation? (laughs) Yeah. And Elijah Wood is such an unbelievable, douchey, like, weirdly possessive creep. And I'm like, how could a kid like this exist? And I'm thinking if he grew up in a household where his mom was like playing secret agent and, you know, as the movie Total Recall says, getting porked by guys like Quaid, I feel like that would that would be some sort of it would create a a, some sort of psychological issue that would manifest itself in the creepy shit that Elijah Wood does in Eternal Sunshine. And I'm thinking on a comedic level. You could have the son growing up to resent the dad. Like, how can you let mom go in there and do this? And the kid just constantly busting his father's balls. Because I, I love in Total Recall having the the second in command give him shit. Mm-hmm. And he kind of just takes it. Yeah. And so I want to make Richter like a, uh, a put-upon, pathetic guy who his kid doesn't even respect. But then, of course, his kid turns out to be an absolute piece of shit, just like his dad. So... Well, anything that you can build off of that, Brett? I really like that because I like the idea of because, you know, Elijah Wood's character, Patrick, 
because I'm looking at the IMDb, not because I remember his character's name. Um, <laughs> Patrick, like, it's a weird thing when he, like, he doesn't have a problem invading someone else's life or memories and kind of taking hold of those. So I think that's an even interesting dynamic when he knows his mother is pretending to be someone else's wife and essentially, like, interfering or interjecting herself into someone else's life you know, to, to get information. I think it also breaks down why his character wouldn't find anything morally repugnant with that. And why, you know, as the audience, like, how could you even think of that? Like, Oh, because if he knows anything about what his mom and dad do working for the agency, he wouldn't, he, you know, he would assume that that's kind of normal behavior that the end justifies the means type thing. So I actually, I like that from that dynamic as well. Yeah. I didn't really think about he would be the perfect product of his mother and father because the father uh, clearly willing to be cucked to an extent. And that comes off as a little bit pathetic, which uh, Patrick and eternal sunshine certainly comes off as pathetic, but then Sharon Stone has got this weird confidence. And like you said, doesn't find anything morally wrong about completely living a lie. So yeah, it would make perfect sense that that would produce Patrick. So that worked even better once uh, it went through the Brett Mosher machine. Yeah, I I really kudos to you. I think you I think you definitely not that we compete with these, but I I will concede. I think you took the cake this this rap. Um, that one was really well thought out, and I yeah, I think mine's a little <laughs> I don't know. Well, vain. Hey, like you said last week, I just took a bear or <laughs> last uh, wrap up, so don't worry about it. So for my character swap. Uh, chose the same two movies, um, mainly maybe because I couldn't remember much about Reminiscent to put something into it or take something out. Um, but I chose a different character. I chose a character from Eternal Sunshine, and I'm putting them in Total Recall. Do you want to guess who before I give it away? Is it one of the two leads? No. Uh, I'm going to say you took Mark Ruffalo. I thought about it because I love Mark Ruffalo's character, but I went with Mary. And this Ooh, is my okay. reasoning. I want Mary to still be essentially uh, an assistant or kind of the receptionist at the recall clinic, right? But Mary is going to see what winds up, what is happening to Quaid. And I essentially want her, it won't be nearly as deep and impactful as what happens in Eternal Sunshine, but I feel like her character's pull will still be there, like the core of her character. And ultimately, I want her character to give the audience closure as to if this was a dream or not. If this was, you know, if he's doing the vacation. So Mary will essentially be our roadmap to let us know at the end of the movie whether or not Quaid is still in the machine or not. And that way there's no question whether or not he is or isn't. Well, how would she do that in function? I didn't get that far into it. I just, that's how I wanted to use her, Travis, okay? <laughs> I, I mean, do you mean like she would be at the end giving him exposition? I'm not sure if it's going to be one of those things like where she realizes that like it's morally wrong because she sees so many people cheating on their spouses in the recall because, you know, maybe it isn't or maybe it is fake and it's a vacation. But essentially he's now having I mean, he has a memory of having a relationship with another woman other than his wife and recall. So maybe that's why she decides to basically say who all has been through the recall and what exactly their their vacation was, because it's. It's beyond a fantasy at this point, right? It's not like you're masturbating to pornography. Like He's literally having a memory implanted into his head that he had an affair. 
right? Or that he slept with another woman. So even at the end of the movie, if he does, if he were to come out of it, because he's the super agent, he gets the girl, he's going to come out of it and he's going to have very realistic memories of thinking he cheated. And again, kind of like the moral compass of that is like, it feels real to you. So like, at what point do you decide, did you cheat on your wife or did you not cheat on your wife? And I think Mary winds up going through this thing where she realizes that she feels most people are like, it's a bastardization of the emotional connection they have with any of their spouses or anything like that. They're, you know, essentially trying to escape their reality and decides basically to let everybody know what their memories are that are fake. You know, that is a hundred percent fake that did not happen. Yeah, because, I mean, when you consider if you have a memory that's that realistic, not only did you cheat on your spouse or whatever, you know, murdered somebody, it feels real to you. How is that not going to fundamentally change your thought process going forward? Mm-hmm. And that recall, all we saw was them the the idea of it being a, a virtual vacation. Like, what if there are you just want memories implanted like i want to believe that in high school i was you know i i won homecoming with you know a crazy hail mary pass you know and now that's part of your identity is now remembering that you did that when in reality you didn't you know so to that point mary decides that people are starting to live a lie and she decides to expose everybody in in the you know the falsehoods of their memories yeah i mean jesus and Quaid kills how many people in his, you know, if you believe it's a simulation. So, yeah, mm-hmm. you're literally telling yourself that you're a murderer. Mm-hmm. Regardless of the so, yeah, reasons. It's interesting. Like, it, it fits perfectly that she would expose that much in the same way that she uh, produced um, or mm-hmm. exposed uh, Dr. Tom Wilkinson, whatever his doctor's name was, exposing his shit. Hell, maybe, so like she, maybe she finds out that the, the Tom Wilkinson of the recall actually implanted memory, memories, memories, memories of him having a relationship with Mary. And Mary finds like, we didn't actually do this and you believe it happened. And that like, that's what sets her down this moral compass is like people are inventing memories of relationships that didn't actually exist as well. Yeah, you could really go down a rabbit hole on what's real and what's an implanted memory and what's been erased you know what was what was erased an implanted memory or real memory Mm -hmm. you know so i think both pretty solid character swaps this week though i am still very i yours definitely took a lot more thought and i liked the connection that was made there so that was awesome well good deal uh you want to tell the people what our next segment is let's go ahead and do it i think we'll hold off uh, not that I think people will have to guess what we are objective and subjective ranking of these movies are. Um, so we'll go ahead and hold that off to the end. So I'm thinking we'll go ahead and jump into the uh, to see. Have we named it? I don't even think we've named this segment where essentially I'm going to use Rotten Tomatoes um, as our, our review aggregate. And you have to guess the order of the movies from top, the highest rated to lowest rated from a critic standpoint. And then we're also going to do it from an audience standpoint. So we'll start it off, Travis, with critic reviews. Where do you think these movies are ranked from a critical acclaim? Uh, Reminiscence Last, Total Recall 2, and Far and Away, number one, Eternal Sunshine. All right. You nailed it. Do you want to try and give numbers to them or just stick with the... Stick with the placement. Uh, no, I'll try with numbers. Okay. Uh, reminiscence, 18%. 37% of critics actually enjoyed this movie, which I find insane. 
yeah, even on a pass fail, mm -hmm. it's a fail for me. Yeah, so hard. that's surprising. All right, total recall. Um, total recall. Say sixty-four percent. Many, many more people. I, there's only seventy-four reviews on it, but it does have. It's sitting at an eighty-two percent for critic. Critic. Uh, it's certified fresh. We'll just say that critic okay. reviews. And then Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, two hundred and fifty reviews. You know it's number one, so it's gotta at least be higher than eighty-two. Where do you think it lands, Travis? I'm gonna say ninety-three. Ninety-two. Damn close. Damn close. So. I do. I would love to know the opinions of those eight people or the eight percent of people that say, did I'm not like the this. People movie. who don't like it, what <laughs> they would say as the yeah. reason. <laughs> okay, here's one. Uh, my problem with Eternal Sunshine is I found it very surface level. That's that's that was the only. F oh no, here's another. One. For all its highfalutin references, this is just another rom com with a bit of angst and ontological ontological or confusion thrown into the mix big words means you don't have anything real to say yeah those seem wildly off base i would have to agree so they also see you know what no, uh, who cares go ahead no what are you gonna say it seems like people who were predispositioned to hate that kind of movie mm -hmm. that's what that sounds like yep if, too quirky yeah if one of them was i don't get it i'd be like i guess okay maybe like if you don't understand the movie you can understand but i'm like eight percent of people saying like this movie's not worth watching i i find that hard to believe so and i guess that's how i again that's why we like to use rotten tomatoes is that's essentially what it is is this movie worth watching or not it's pass failed so audience review where do you think they felt with reminiscent total recall and eternal sunshine of the spotless mind I think it's got to be the same order. Absolutely. Absolutely the same order. Okay. Okay. Do you, you want to guess God. numbers? Uh, I'm going to say again, reminiscence got higher. I'm going to say 39. 38. You're right. Just just squeaked out higher. So that's the people yeah. that just, they love Hugh Jackman and they'll just say, I love Hugh Jackman is to me what that accounts to. It didn't matter how good or bad the movie was. There was some element in there that they're always going to love or find fascinating. And you know, here's the thing. I would give uh, Real Steel a passing grade because I like Hugh Jackman that much, but I still would not give Reminiscence a passing grade. <laughs> All right, Total Recall. Where do you think the audience fell? Critics found it, 82% of critics found it certified fresh. I'm going to say 87. 78. Interesting. Yeah, more people, and that was out of 100,000 plus ratings. Um, you know what, though? I bet that's the Philip K. Dick audience. <laughs> Very well could be. Um, and then lastly, Eternal Sunshine, 92% of critics enjoyed it. What was our audience score? I'm going to say it's going to go lower uh, because of potential confusion. So I'm going to say 85. I would have gone down the exact same logic train as you, but actually 94% of people or 94% of general audiences enjoyed Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. So and that's out of 250,000 plus ratings. Yeah, you know what? I... I'd probably have to go back and see the marketing, but maybe people just knew exactly what they were going to get. Mm -hmm. 
Yep. I just, I totally agree with, with all of those. Like, I mean, honestly, that's probably where I'd, I'd put Total Recall around the, you know, between 70 and 80 percentile for me as, as to where, if I was going to break it down like that. Yep, that's fair. Yep. Alrighty. Well, then, I mean, this is probably going to be a short wrap, um, but I think the only, you know, pre-designed segment we have here is just to kind of give our own personal opinions. I get us. I think it's because of how easy these ones were to rank. There was less discussion. <laughs> but Travis, uh, I know for me, it's exactly the same. My objective and subjective ranking is these. I don't know if it is for you. Um, but for me, it, it's very it clear. Is, yeah. yeah. Uh, Reminiscent is clearly at the bottom. Would not re- recommend anybody going and watching that movie. Uh, then followed up by Total Recall. And I've said it once, I'll say it again. I think culturally, there's so much in this movie that you should watch it if you are a, a pop culture fan. Um, even if you don't necessarily like the movie, just so you get references and whether the people are mentioning. And then clearly, I think Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind is is a fantastic movie and deserves to, to be crowned this this trilogy's king. And yeah. You- I'm not going to talk too much about the movie specifically because like you said, there's just, it's so clear cut. There's not a lot to say, but thinking about this trilogy, it's kind of a bummer because the two movies that I like, I wonder how often I'm going to get them as a new movie going forward because I was so bummed that reminiscence was so bad because it was at least something that wasn't a pre-existing IP. Mm -hmm. Uh, It had, a creative team behind it that at least on paper would put some care and thought into it. Maybe they just put way too much thought and not enough care, but to see it flop so terribly and be so forgettable, it's like, it's just one more pillar of what we used to love about movies, just collapsing. Because even Total Recall, as, as much as the script suffers, you can tell so much work and, heart and just creative power went into things mm. like you mentioned set design and uh, costume design it's and so and then you know 2004 feels like decades ago as far as that kind of movie being produced and coming out in the center and being successful mm-hmm. so not to be old man yelling at sky but <laughs> i it kind of just confirmed what we already know about Hollywood and where it's I, going. I basically just hold out hope for Christopher Nolan because I think he's the only one. And I don't know after the tenant flop. And I think he definitely gets an asterisk next to his name for that one because of, you know, the the COVID, the COVID crisis in the world that, that happened at that time. But um, he's the only one I feel like Hollywood really gives like if he wants to do kind of a batshit crazy sci fi thing, because, you know, he's got basically under his belt. He has Inception interstellar and now tenant is kind of his you know sci-fi-ish kind of out there movies and two of those are very very good one of them i think is kind of bonkers crazy and, and a little all over the place it was clearly like it was a concept he had and didn't really know how to make for as, as far as i'm concerned but he went for it anyway um but he also seems to be going every other with like some kind of period piece because i know in between interstellar and tenant he did Oh, Dunkirk, Dunkirk. Dunkirk. Um, and even he was pretty kind of experimental what he did with Dunkirk. Cause have you seen Dunkirk? I have so little dialogue in that movie. Like that movie is almost completely just like you as the viewer having to feel what the characters are based on what is happening around them. Like there's such little dialogue. 
um for which is either good or bad for the movie it's it's still nice to see him kind of experimenting with stuff but and then i believe his next movie is actually kind of i hate to say biopic but you know one of those kind of period pieces about the development of the nuclear bomb yeah oppenheimer Mm -hmm. yeah i'm concerned about that one just because like you said, he's kind of our last hope. I know there's other good directors working, Denny Villeneuve being yeah. primary to mine, but I mean, this movie feels like a make or break because Tenet, asterisks or not, doesn't seem like a great movie and certainly was a flop. So I think he needs something to keep people like us having some hope in the cinema. So mm-hmm. uh, the biopic part makes me nervous. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely one of those, like, we have Dune coming out this month, which we're super excited about, Um, which you say, you know, Villanova. So outside of that, though, I mean, honestly, I feel like we're in a period of time where a lot of Hollywood or these production studios are all moving towards the miniseries format. Like, you've got, like, Midnight Mass is coming out. Like, everybody wants to have, like, an eight-part miniseries or something like that rather than actually having movies. And I don't know if that's even the creative side of it like the writers and directors like oh it gives me more time to develop the characters i want instead of having to to you know basically condense it into hopefully an hour and a half no more than two hour long movie but it seems like most of the stuff that really is is has a lot of thought and impact is is more of these mini series rather than actually developing movies yeah and i think unfortunately that's just a product of Hollywood doesn't want to make mid-budget movies anymore. If they're going to spend mid-budget money, they want eight to ten weeks of content, not just an opening weekend. Absolutely. So, so. which is funny because I feel like that's it. Kind of almost breaks out the same thing because that mid-budget movie would usually probably have lasted eight to ten weeks in the theaters, but now they want that eight to ten weeks on a streaming platform. Yeah, because that's you know that's two months of subscription. Mm-hmm. that they know they'll at least have you for and then guess what when that show ends they'll have another mid-budget show that's right up your alley to replace it and hopefully just keep you on the hook all year long absolutely so i mean that's kind of where it goes so hopefully the hollywood chop shop doesn't have to be you know nothing but reviewing miniseries because that would take a lot more time but <laughs> outside of that i mean well, it... hey we still got hopes for tango and cash too there we go um yeah but i think that about wraps us up I know that, you know, what came out in theaters, Venom, Let There Be Carnage just came out, I think, this week, as well as uh, Dune's the coming up. The Mini Saints of Newark. The Mini Saints of Newark. So, there's uh, there's some stuff out there. I've heard very mixed things about Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So. Yeah, same. It's, uh, we'll see what happens, so. But, next week we'll be back with the uh, what did we call it? Seasonally obligated Halloween scary <sighs> trilogy, something like that, where we will be reviewing. It is I don't remember the specific order, but it's The Shining. It follows in Gothica, so that'll be fun. Yeah, even though it's seasonally obligated, I think we picked a, a good spread of movies and uh, some. A lot of good stuff to talk about. I'm excited to do Gothica just because we get to go back to... It'll be fun. As we've talked about before, we worked in a movie theater when Gothica came out. We worked in a theater the mid-2000s there. Um, and that was 
during that time when we talked about like you know we had a lot of mid-budget like experimental stuff like eternal sunshine coming out that we absolutely loved there was also like a lot of those like weird low budget budget horror movies that just they seem to come out almost every week and like that the grudge the ring um skeleton key i mean i can just remember like it just seemed like at least once a month you were getting something that was just pg-13 meant to bring in the uh the preteens and stuff like that that mom and dad could drop off for a movie where it's like no one actually paid attention to those movies at all it was just something to where you could make out <laughs> you know i was gonna say as working at the theater that was the number one style of movie where we would ultimately have to go in there and tell somebody to put away their cell phone or stop fucking throwing something or like you said stop quote unquote making out <laughs> so we have that to look forward to but uh, until then, as always, we appreciate you coming around for a uh, a wrap up. Have an absolutely wonderful rest of your week or whenever you're. Yeah, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, see yeah. you next week. Give the people the air. <laughs> Bye.